Welcome to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. Each episode, your hosts bring you news, views, and abuse from America's professional rugby union, along with all the latest on the USA national team. Now, with all that said, let's get on with the show. And we're live. Sorry about the delay, folks. I had a little couple, had a couple technical difficulties on our end. I'm Josh. I'm filling in for Aaron Castro once again. Um, Aaron is busy working tonight. Uh, with me at the moment is Craig Rudelli, Monday Morning Fly House. How you doing, Craig? Doing great. How are you doing, Josh? Uh, I'm getting bored. I'm actually getting bored. Work slowed down. Um, so I've literally done nothing for the past two weeks. Well, you're in luck because we got uh, the number one versus number two team in the MLR playing uh, kickoff any minute. So, uh, I mean, this is going to be a, a fairly unique earful of dirt episode. Uh, so if you're following live, uh, great. You know, we're, we're happy to have you all because uh, we're going to do try to do our, our normal thing, but we're also going to mix in uh, a live watch here of the Gilgronis and Giltini. So uh, by all means, get in the comments. We're going to be discussing with you, taking your guys' chat, uh, and uh, looking forward to it. Let's just get right into the recaps. Craig, yeah, you want to have a third host at some point uh, up here, but for now it's going to be just uh, we two. <laughs> Craig, you want to start us off with uh, Nolan San Diego? Uh, sure. Uh, so probably, probably the most surprising results of the weekend. Uh, so Nola went out to California. Was not uh, wasn't Torero or the Chula Vista they played. Uh, compact Chula Vista compound, and uh, you know I think most people expected a Nola victory. However, San Diego found their legs for the season. Uh, ended up putting in a pretty dramatic. Uh, Victory. I'm uh, trying to the exact was like 43 17, I believe. Let me get the exact number here. Uh, yeah, 43 17. So, uh, I mean, having Peterson back for San Diego was a, a huge difference maker. Guy played uh, out of his mind, really. And uh, it was really just, it was a matter of, you know, there seemed to be a, a missing connectivity in the San Diego Legion all season up, up until this week. Uh, and this is really the first time we've seen that, that connectivity that we're used to from previous seasons. Now, Peterson has been in and out. Uh, this is not his first time playing. Uh, he hasn't played a lot of 10 uh, this year, though I believe he has played some, uh, but clearly he's been dealing with some injuries. So, uh, you know, hard to say if he's just finally returned to health or, or what, Um Nola, on the other hand, uh, certainly a tough outing. This is uh, a contest they were hoping to win, especially in a, in a super tight Eastern Conference race uh, where I think they were sitting in first in the East coming into the weekend. Uh, this loss, they dropped all the way down to third. I mean, that's how close the East is. And when you're playing under 500 teams from the West, uh, you know, really need to pick those wins up. So, Certainly going to be disappointing for Nola to have lost uh, this road this uh, road contest. And I guess you know if you're a Nola fan, you're just going to be hoping that this is the start of a new trend for San Diego, and maybe they'll they'll pick up some other wins against some of your other Eastern Conference rivals. You know, it, 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 it they were playing at the um, the Olympic Training Center out in Chula Vista. The wind did seem to play a little bit of a factor because I know um, Nola likes to play more a little bit more of a spread game. 
They like to kick the ball down the field and looked like the wind was kind of affecting them there. And, you know, San Diego took advantage of that. They tried to, they played a little bit more of a small ball type of game, tried to keep it in close. And, you know, so that, that ended up actually being the difference in the end, in my view. Yeah. I mean, you know, I feel like this year a lot we see if a team can tactically kick better than uh, their opponents, you know, more effective than their opponents, it's really a big advantage because lineouts, I've talked about this a bunch of times, but lineouts are just not that consistent. So, you know, if you, even if your kick finds touch and you think it's technically, you know, a change of possession to the other team, you have a decent chance of regaining that ball in, in their lineout. Uh, and, you know, in this game, I think, you know, San Diego had 700 kick meters to 230 for NOLA. So, I mean, absolutely demolished them off the boot. Uh, and, you know, that's, that's, proven to be an effective strategy, probably more effective than just rampant ball carrying, uh, at least in this, this year of MLR. So that was the first game. And the second game was uh, the Toronto Arrows headed down to Houston, Texas, ended up beating uh, the Houston Sabercats in Aviva Stadium, 19 to 10. It's actually a closer game than most people, I think, predicted. Um, Houston actually kept, um, kept it close for the whole game. I mean, they were only down... 12 to three at halftime. And then finally in the second half, finally broke through at the end. Uh, thanks to the try from Cecil Garber. You know, you had Miguel Montero getting his try again. He constantly seems to put himself on the scoreboard. You had Tommy, Tommy De La Vega and Manuel Diana as the other arrows across the, the try line. And, you know, it was just it was kind of just a, a grinded out type of match where Toronto played most of the game in Houston's territory and, Houston just held up. Yeah. A really gutsy defensive performance. I mean, they seemed like they were hanging on for dear life nonstop. Uh, but I, I'll tell you, I mean, I, certainly I think people were expecting Toronto to win. Toronto did ultimately win. Um, and I know we talked about this before, and I, I think others have talked about it. But, I mean, it's getting later and later. We're now in the back half of May, and going down south to play is going to be a tough task. Uh and I think, you know, we saw, I think we saw a little bit of that. I do think Toronto, you know, didn't seem to have the energy to really um, put Houston away the way we've seen them put other teams away. Um, so, you know, whether, you know, just courageous defense, hard to say exactly what the, the mix of those things were. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, I think Houston should feel good about the way they played. Uh, and Toronto, they have a pretty easy schedule for the rest of the year. And I think that's going to – bode well for them uh, in the Eastern Conference playoff chase, which I feel like is going to be a main storyline from here to the end. It's, mm-hmm. It really is just so close among every team in the conference. Um, but, I, you know, they also have some concerns. I think, yeah, they, they put up a few huge score lines, um, often really relying on Miguel Montero um, and some – some very good play after the line breaks, let's say, you know, they'll break the line and they had some really flashy, good looking tries uh, improvising in kind of a open play format. But uh, you know, those last few weeks uh, defenses have really contained them and they've seemed unable to generate that kind of attacking energy. Um, So definitely something to, to think about for Toronto and potentially, if you're a Toronto supporter, be a little concerned about um, as we head into the home stretch here. 
Yeah, and, and then this is actually Toronto's first bye week of the season, so that that probably has played a little bit of a factor in the past couple of weeks, especially since they haven't been able to get a rest as the other teams have. But you know, they'll look to recover. They become they finish strong, so they'll look to recover as they um, they actually play the Free Jacks in two weeks. So I like I love the Eastern Conference uh, Eastern Conference matchups. You, Craig, you want to talk about uh, how New York did? Yeah, New York lost. Uh, you know, I think I actually think I saw your article, Josh, about our picks coming into the week. I think on, on the show, everyone picked Austin or Austin and Liam took a draw. Uh, but I mean, it was understandable. Again, it, you know, I think going into Texas is difficult in, in the warm weather months. Uh, Austin's defense has been incredible all season. It was incredible again against New York. New York hasn't scored a try now in two weeks. Uh, so again, you know, talking about things that might be concerning, uh, you know, certainly they're, they're utilizing the penalty kick. Well, the penalty goal, Dan Holland's head has been an extremely accurate kicker and uh, that's helped New York a lot, but um, they're, they're not finding ways to score tries against good defenses. Now, in fairness, Austin and LA are actually the two best defenses, and those are the two teams that have held them trialless these last two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and New York has not given up many tries of their own in these contests. They give one to LA, and uh, I think it was just one to Austin, right? Or maybe two. Um, so, you know, uh, yeah, one, one try to Austin. Uh, so, I, I mean, again, I, I don't think any either team has anything to be ashamed of about this performance. Um, you know, it was interesting to see in the second half, New York, who had, in the first half had reliably been going for sticks for all these penalty kicks, mm-hmm. um, went into the second half down, uh, you know, down a try, and they stopped going for the penalty kicks uh, and started going for the for the touch uh, in the second half as if they felt a need to score some tries, which they did not. They didn't score any points in the second half. Um, and so I wonder, you know, in retrospect, if – that's really a better option. I mean, people love going for the corner and love scoring tries, and I get that. But, I mean, a try in the corner is five points and then a difficult conversion. I mean, and a weighted probability average. I mean, what are we talking about here? They're, yeah, 50% chance they make – they score the try at all, you know, and then, yeah, let's say small percent chance they make the conversions. I mean, you were talking like a, a weighted average probability score for going to the corner – that's probably not higher than three, mm. which is, yeah. So if you feel very confident about your penalty kick, I, I tend to think you should be going to turn the scoreboard over. So New York had been using that strategy second half. They got away from it a bit. Probably didn't, I don't think they had enough kickable penalties for that to make a difference in the end anyway, but uh, still, uh, you know, a loss against a good team. Um, and uh Yeah. A, a tough one in a close race, uh, but you know the, the Nola loss did did help New York stay up at uh, number two in in the East. I know we, we um, in the match thread on on the ML on the Major League Rugby subreddit, it was kind of talked about how um, the referee, I believe it was Federico and and Selmy, I always forget how to say his last name, kind of played it. Uh, a little bit of a role, and when I was able to take peeks at it, it kind of looked like he was blowing off Dylan Fawcett in the second half. Do you did you get that impression at all? Um, I mean, I think he was definitely getting frustrated with 
New York's play, you know, players and the way they're communicating with him in, in general. I mean, look, I'm, I'm, I'm never a blame the ref type of guy. Uh, mm-hmm. I think, I don't think the referee is why New York lost. Uh, you know, there, some of these penalties are so subjective. These breakdown penalties, scrum penalties. Um, you know, what I've called some different, possibly, possibly in both directions, but, uh, you know, end of the day, you can't leave it in the referee's hands, especially in such a subjective way. So, um, you know, I, I think Dylan Fawcett as the captain talks to the referee in a way that, you know, may, may, uh, rub some the wrong way. Uh, and you know, that's part of his game that he'll have to own or work on or whatever, or live with. But, um, yeah, I mean, there was definitely some noticeable conversation going on, but I, I don't think I don't think New York could uh, give themselves an excuse to say, you know, the ref was against them or whatever. Oh, fair enough. I saw, I saw the point being made by a couple people, so I figured I'd ask your point of view. So, all right. The next game of the day um, was Rugby ATL and the New England Free Jacks. Uh, Rugby ATL ended up winning 33-18. to 18. Um, You know, it was it – was, I guess the score was closer, and then um, and uh, ATL just kind of put it away in the end, especially after New England got uh, two yellow cards in the last ten minutes. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it was like a one point game in the seventy fifth minute, and then uh, maybe it wasn't quite the same amount. Very late though, and very close. Uh, and then the the two yellow cards on one play a decision, not one you often see. Uh, so I, yeah, after that, Atlanta, you know piled on I, the score i think the final score flatters atlanta a bit uh still you know great hard won victory they're playing very well uh they're now in first place in the east uh so you know they're they're doing the right things they're, they're making the win they have to make uh this one was a little close to that score is this i think this is also i'm not sure about this we'll have to have our research department look it up and i believe this referee was also the one who gave the two cards in the rooney atlanta match when he sent both Andy Ellis and uh, Redolingus from Atlanta off at the same play. Uh, so, you know, this guy might be a pioneer in the usage of double cards. Uh, it, it is. Yeah. It's the same ref. Yeah. So, um, hey, you know, uh, I was, I've, I'm on record as saying I, I like – I'm getting to like more cards. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, again, two in a row or two on one play like that at the end seems a little cruel. Um and it, you know, definitely ended New England's chance of a late win. Um, but you know, that's them's the breaks. Uh, Atlanta gets the win. New England, uh, I believe, New England has not beaten a single Eastern Conference opponent yet. Um, so that's going to be tough for them. I mean, they're points wise, New England and Old Glory are, are certainly within range of the top, easily within range. I mean, there, I think there's like a four point gap from last place to the playoffs. But it, there's another factor that is going to make this difficult for these teams at the bottom of the East, which is, I mean, they have to outperform the teams ahead of them. You know, like even if they keep winning, they need four, you know, four or five other teams ahead of them to keep losing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, that's that that's going to become a difficult thing as the season gets closer to the end. That if they don't, you know, if they stay behind so many teams, they're just going to end up losing by sheer probability that you know, the odds that all of those teams ahead of them trip up when they don't, um, you know, becomes increasingly slim. You know, it was coming into the game, I, 
I believe, I believe Liam mentioned it last week. Um, Atlanta had a big scrum advantage. I think they, I think it was something like 11% difference in scrum, in scrums one percentage. You know, uh, talking to Scott Lawrence after the game, the press conference, he mentioned that, yeah, that was actually part of their game plan. They wanted to force, um, they wanted to force the, I guess, force the action, so to speak, in that um, they wanted to go for the scrum when they could, you know, the for- to see if they could get um, New England to commit penalties at the breakdown and whatnot, you know. Um, and actually, Scott Lawrence was very complimentary of of New England. He said they were able to slow down their attack very effectively. So, you know, that was – sorry, I'm trying to read what he said. Yeah, he said oh, – Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, sorry. So he, was, he, one of the other things he said about New England was that they changed their strategy up about, I think he said about halfway through, um, 75% of the way through the first half. And ATO was actually able to uh, pick up pick up on it relatively quickly. Yeah, what were you going to mention? Right, right. Well, you were looking that up. I, we have, I have the Austin-LA game on there, and Austin was just, uh, you know, pressuring at the, uh, at the try line, though, as I was watching their LA turned it over, had a clearance kick, a fairly you know, weak clearance kick. So here, here we are now with a go groany mall inside the 24. Yeah. Uh, so this looks pretty even so far. Uh, zero, zero still. All right. Back, back to the recaps. We are on. Oh, LA and Utah at the call at the uh, SoFi. Yeah. Uh, good contest. I mean, exciting one to watch. Uh, LA, of course, coming off their first loss of the season. Uh, it was unclear how they were going to play. I think it's been well documented now that one of the main tools that New York used to beat them a couple weeks ago was you know really physicality around the ruck. Uh, LA did not seem to want to tango um, in kind of the close spaces around the breakdown. Um, and that, that, Helped New York, you know, uh, both offensively to keep their own rucks, but also to slow down the New England attack because they are the LA attack, sorry, because they weren't clearing uh, the defensive players, you know, quickly enough to, to play the pace they typically play. I think Utah definitely tried to replicate that. Um, you saw them be very aggressive in the counter rock, and I think it, they, it worked to some effect. I mean, yeah, this team, I think LA came in themselves recognizing what New York had done and look, were looking to make a point that they could be physical. And uh, they came to shoot, they seemed to shoot out of the gate, you know, with big hits. Um, I think uh, by, by Anilu, what's the hooker. Uh, oh, um, the hooker was uh, Malolo. It was, was it Malolo the hooker for Utah. Yeah. Um, oh, or uh, you, Utah hooker, for LA. Yeah. Uh, Sorry. By, uh, yeah. By, it was by, by, uh, yes. Um, I care. Remember exactly how to pronounce it, but he I thought he came out very physical. It looked like he was a pace setter for them um, to try to reverse that uh, trend that or that weakness that seemed to open up against New York. Still, I, I thought Utah was pretty effective. They just you know, they just didn't have any. You know, I don't think anyone in Utah really played a great game. I think Lance Williams and Mikey Teo were putting in the hard yards. You know, they were, they were carrying a lot. They were, they were making plays. The, the Malolo try was a nice try, but it was created by Mikey Teo, mm-hmm. you know, line break and offload. Um, and that is, I didn't think Utah really had their best day. Uh, I think it could have been a little closer if they were playing closer to their peak level. Um, I, I like the strategy. LA did seem 
like they wanted to prove a point. I think they succeeded in that and they, they were able to be physical with a, a big physical Utah side. Uh, but I think it might've taken a lot out of them. Uh, so we'll see it. And thus my, uh, my Gilgroni super brew pick for today on a short rest after, you know, 80 minutes against that beastly warrior team. Uh, we'll see how LA stacks up now against Austin. What'd you end up picking for the game? I took Gilgroni's by two. I actually picked a draw at super brew. Man, we're, we're courageous pickers here. I think if you pick a draw, it should be like 10 points. I mean, the, the courage to pick a draw and be correct uh, man, it should be more than just the regular like one point you know, <laughs> picking the right result score. Because is what is is one point for just getting the pick right. Yeah, but and if it's... you pick a draw, it should be ten. I mean, that's an incredible, <laughs> incredible choice. Yeah, you know, actually, one of the things that was surprising is outside of um, the loss to New York, uh, this is actually LA's. Only second game being held below forty points, and I, th- I think you're right. I think Utah's physicality played a huge part in that. You know, there were there were big hits being thrown about by both teams, but I think you know I think this is the one of the more physical matchups for LA. Even though they they did end up winning, they did end up having their difficulties at times. You know, they uh, John Ryder probably should have had a try, but you know, thanks to the screens at SoFi. Um, Derek Summers was able to correct his call. <laughs> well, <laughs> we probably should not have had a try. Uh, yeah, and even one of Cottrell's tries was a bit questionable. I am glad. I, so if you didn't see this, yeah, there's no TMO in MLR this season. Um, so sometimes that means your call is going to be wrong. That's fine. I think that's the way it's been for 100-plus years, and TMO is a fairly new thing. Um, people – have mixed opinions about the PMO, but generally speaking, we don't have one in MLR. Uh, but in this case, uh, because it was in SoFi and there were big jumbotrons everywhere, the match official essentially just looked at the screen and saw that they had missed a knock-on. Uh, and so called the knock-on based on that and like a ad hoc TMO of his own, uh, which I think was good. I mean, I'm glad, you know, I like that the referee will apply common sense and good judgment uh, oh, LA guilty team just scored a try. Uh, Collins has good judgment. Uh, so, you know, good on him for having the uh, the sense and the bravery to do the right thing, even though it was a bit unorthodox. So, in our final recap of the week, hey, we're actually getting through this relatively quickly. I think I think, you, I think we want to get to the match companion more than we want to recap. <laughs> but so, our final match of the weekend was Old Glory beating Seattle twenty-two to eighteen. You know, it's another early kickoff for a West Coast team traveling to the East Coast. This is actually Seattle's second um, time doing this. They faced Toronto in even an earlier kickoff, and that was an absolute drubbing. That was what? That was 50 to 7? You remember? Something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, this one was a lot closer. It was only four points. Yeah. But, you know, sevens, my bad. Yeah. But, you know, Seattle still struggled. They, they had their opportunities. They just couldn't convert. I think, um, you know, once Matt Turner went down with his ankle injury, I think Seattle really lost a lot of their shape and their structure. Because I think, I forget who was announcing that game, but they mentioned it. Like, Matt Turner acts as a coach on the field. And I think once he went out, you definitely saw that they were missing missing that piece. 
Yeah, Matt Turner's been one of their most effective players. I mean, they were winning for a good chunk of this game, and they were certainly in it, uh, you know, to the very end. So good, you know, good look out of them. Who you know, Seattle's really. This is probably the best game they've played away from Starfire. Maybe the best game they've played overall. Uh, so you know, I think they certainly have a lot to feel good about, given where they are in the standings this year. Um, Old Glory got the win, so that's what they needed to do. Uh, and that, a win's a win, you know, so good good for them as well. Um, but, you know, not the clobbering that I was expecting and probably a lot of others were expecting given the East Coast trip and the early Pacific time kickoff time. Uh, so, you know, a little, you know, surprised at the upside, I'd say, for Seattle. It wasn't quite enough to get them a win. Um, but, you know, as you look at the rest of the season and you think about – the matchups you need to win, where you can expect to pick up wins, where you think you might take a loss. Um, you know, Seattle not looking like a pushover uh, these last few weeks. So, you know, at least giving some other teams something to think about. You know, they're, get, they're getting a couple pieces in. Um, they got uh, Nalia Dawai in this week, um, played with the Free Jacks previously. Um, AJ Alatimu um, finally signed, or signed a couple weeks ago. And he, he's definitely made at least the fly half a more comfortable position for the Super Yeah, season. he's been a big difference maker for Seattle. He, he's a, he attacks well. He's one of the better, I feel like, better pure attacking ball in hand fly halves we've seen this year. So he's, he's been a, a big help to them. Uh, first up, we have Nola, Utah. In Nola, one of your, as you like to say, in the South games. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a tough one for Utah. And, I mean, Nola, Nola must be feeling pretty awful after this this week's loss against San Diego. Um, uh, I think they're going to bounce back. I think they, they play well at home. It is a Southern game. I think Utah sometimes is accused of, of poor fitness uh, relative to other teams. I'm not such a believer actually in that personally, but, I mean, to the extent there's truth to it, certainly – you'd expect that to be exposed here. Um, so, you know, I mean, both good teams. Utah really needs a win to, to keep pace, though. If Austin loses here, that will at least give them a little bit of, uh, of margin of error there. Still, I think, uh, you know, Noel's going to really feel like this is a must win for themselves as well. Uh, and being home, I'm going to say Noel by – uh, six. I made my pick just based on form. I didn't take into account location like I probably should have. You know, it's um, it is Utah traveling to New Orleans. What's going to kick off? It is. It is eight p.m. Eight p.m. Eastern. So that not as bad as I thought. You know, I thought figured they were at a two o'clock kickoff. But you know, it's eight o'clock. I have I locked my pick in on Super Brew already. I have Utah winning by four. Oh. Scott, I know. There's the big guy. Uh, uh, you know, uh, for your Rooney LA pick. Oh yeah, I had LA winning by thirty. Yeah, yeah. Tracking. Hey, he he said he said you were wrong. He said Austin should have went for the try. Yeah, well, I guess uh, time will tell, huh? Because uh, they, yeah, so far they've had, I think, three or four uh, attacking opportunities at the LA try line, and they've yet to score one. So 
Now, I think if I'm Austin, I'm feeling good about having three points at halftime uh, instead of a zero. And uh, I don't think I, I wouldn't want to risk that morale, uh, that morale beating of going in scoreless after the first half. Yeah. So moving on in our previews, we have another game in uh, the hot, humid weather. Uh, we have Old Glory at Houston this week. Um, we saw, I think this is one of the few games that got in last year before the pandemic happened. Um, Houston absolutely dominated in the scrum. Um, Houston's kind of on the it's got the got bit by the injury bug. They've had a they've had a number of injury players out injured. Um, you know they they started the season off strong against Seattle, but then we saw that Seattle wasn't the team we thought they were going to be. Um, they Houston kind of struggled a little bit, and finally once they got um, Nick Boyer in there at nine, they they seem to have settled down a bit. You know they still struggle occasionally. But I, Old Glory just seems the, the more informed team at the moment. You know, you got that 9-10 combination with Danny Tusitala and Jason Robertson. You have um, Tanana Roberts out on the wing, Fred Palamo in the centers. The scrum seems to have stabilized a little bit. So, you know, they got that going for them. I actually have Old Glory winning by two. Yeah, tough. You know, as many of these are, tough one to pick. Uh, you're right. I mean, they, they've been bit by the Boyer bug, really, more than anything else, it seems. Um, you know, Houston's been a different team since he joined. Really, really put something uh, into that offense alongside Sam Windsor, who had been carrying it for the history of the franchise. Uh, yeah, so Glorious Scott Ferrer says, oh, Glorious Great Tigers. They do. Uh, I mean, they're, they've had some really big defensive stands throughout the year. Jameson, Fonana, Schultz. Uh, Callum Gibbons, both, um, you know, have been very big at times. Still, I mean, I'm just going to ride this horse. But I'm telling you guys, that, you know, the, the northern climate teams going to the south, uh, I think it really makes difference. Uh, so, I mean, I, you know, I, I that holds a decent weight in my mind in, in what I think are close matchups. So, I think uh, I'm going to give it to Houston. I say, uh, I say Houston by three. Mm-hmm. You know, five point swing. Honestly, this game is actually is could be a toss up. You never know. It's one of those games. It can't be decided. The Houston uh, game time is also eight p.m. Scott on Saturday. Yeah, so it's not as jam packed as it was last week, um, where we had three games kicking off at eight. So it was just two games on Saturday at eight, and then two games on Sunday, one at four, and one at eight. Uh, these times are all Eastern, by the way. Yeah, I can't get my YouTube TV to record all MLR matches by rule. I have to like individually record each one I want to record. So I forgot to record Utah LA uh, this week, so I had to watch it at, like 6 a.m. whenever it became available on FS something. Uh, okay. 6 a.m. Monday morning. <laughs> uh, I had to I had to watch that one for MLR scouting purposes uh so i had to jam that in before my work day so anyway all right third game of the week is the cbs game of the week at cochran field i know a lot of people aren't enjoying aren't enjoying that field but hey not a lot of space in new york at the moment especially in the pandemic yeah well uh yeah we know the big guy's enjoying it since he's the uh future of every advertisement of cochran stands i'm not sure that it may just be him in the stands uh, i'm not sure there's even a bleacher beyond that one square we keep seeing uh yeah i mean look 
I don't know what to tell you guys. I, I would like to think that I am an unbiased uh, picker and I can judge dispassionately. Um, that said, you know, I feel pretty good about New York uh, winning against the Free Jacks. So, you know, Free Jacks, again, haven't, haven't beat a team in the East. They did beat New York last year in an embarrassing opening, uh, I think it was an opening week or maybe week two in Las Vegas. Yeah. Um, that, was, that, was, that was in Vegas, though. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but that's the only time they've played. So, uh, you know, right, I think right now the Free Jacks uh, own the historical series 1-0. Um, but I, I think New York is going to write that ship uh, this week. I'm going to say uh, New York by seven. Vegas on that terrible pitch, Scott. Yeah, that, that was definitely a terrible pitch. Um, you know, hopefully it's, hopefully it's never used again for anything. Um I mean, like a, a ball bounced off the post right into was it uh, Bodine Waka's hands yeah. uh, for a try? I mean, everything went the wrong way for for New York that day. Yeah, you know, I you know both teams are coming off physical games. Atlanta plays a physical game. Austin plays a very physical game. Um, you know, both East Coast Sunday. Scott, you mentioned it's going to be hot. I lock my pick in again without taking I. Literally just sometimes I don't know how I pick things. And let me probably just pick something and like, oh, that makes sense. I locked in New England by five. You know, I think New England's probably has to be pissed off with how they've been playing. I know they got that win against Austin, but as you said, they haven't beaten the team in the East. They want to be in the playoffs. I also don't think New York can sustain that point differential that they have. I think that's one of the biggest if that happens, that'll be amazing. Um yeah, I got New England by five. Well, you don't think they can sustain the record with the point differential they have, or they can't sustain the point differential because they are a winning team that will ultimately yeah, are, are you which which one is gonna change? Is the point differential gonna narrow or is the record gonna start to reflect the point differential? I think the record is gonna start reflecting the point differential. You mentioned earlier in the recap that they haven't scored a try in two weeks. I know, I know New England is not a defensive sieve, but they, so maybe New York gets back on track this week, but I, I just see New England winning this game. All right. Last game of the week. East heading to the West Coast this time. So we have uh, Rugby ATL at Seattle, Sunday night at Starfire, kicking off at 8 p.m. Eastern. Craig, who you got? Yeah, I mean, yeah, Seattle, is, like we said, has been playing much better of late. It's going to be hungry for a win. I think it's always tough to go across the country. Um, Atlanta's been playing very well. Um, I think, you know, on a neutral field, I certainly would would favor Atlanta. Um, man, another tough one, though. This is a Sunday night game, 8, 8 p.m., um, 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, I, I reserve my, yeah, this is one I may change by super brew time, but, uh, right now I'm feeling like Atlanta pulls it out. Yeah. I'm going to say Atlanta by three. You know, I think you said Atlanta on a neutral field. Like if Atlanta was at home, I'd probably take them by 25. I just think Atlanta's that good of a team. Marco Keith has been running over everybody when he can. Uh, Matt Heaton has been directing play. Uh, they put Adrian Carlsey at at fly half this past weekend, and Scott Lawrence had mentioned that he, you know, he 
bring stability to that position is how he said it. You know, if they play yeah. him at 10 again, I think they, they Atlanta starts retaining their form more. You know, sometimes they, they have, they have a tendency to go periods of play without doing anything. I think we saw that against New York when they struggled to score. Um, but, you know, I locked it in. I have Atlanta winning by 13. Yeah, Carl, is he, Carl uh, how do you say his name? Uh, Adrian Carl, Carl, I say, Carl say, Carl um, say, yeah. has been tremendous. Uh, real fine for Atlanta. Uh, you know, they, they've been struggling to replace their fly half, who, yeah, their starter, their presumed starter got hurt early on. Um, so, uh, yeah, he, he's been great. And he, if, if, if Atlanta is going to, Atlanta has a tough schedule the rest of the year, um, probably the toughest in the East. So they're, they're on top right now, but I think it's going to be tough for them to stay there given their upcoming uh, matches, including, for example, a road match against Seattle. When half the conference plays Seattle, at home, uh, you know, that, that's unfortunate, you know, given how much better Seattle has been playing in Starfire. Um, that said, Carl say, you know, he could be the, he might be the difference maker for them. That if, if they are going to ride this out and grab a playoff spot or a top spot in the conference, I think it could be, uh, could be because he, he brought uh, some extra elements to that team. You know, I, I, it, this probably was in the back of my head when I did this, but so could you see this as a trap game for Atlanta? They're playing LA next week at home. Again, I, I think it, I, mean, I think cross country travel is difficult uh, in general. I think people are going to expect wins against Seattle, given how Seattle's played this year. Um, Atlanta's been winning, you know, has been playing very good form. Uh, so this is just the type of thing where you know they may let down their intensity just a bit. Um, I mean, I think they're a very well coached team. I, I think Scott Lawrence, um, you know, is has done a tremendous job with that squad since they showed up on the scene. So, I, I still think that he'll, you know, overcome that. Uh, but uh, I definitely, you know, I, as you can see with my pick, I, I have a much closer margin than you do, and probably than a lot of people do. So, I do think it will be closer than the record, you know, in the abstract and the records suggest. Um, but uh, I just, yeah, I think Atlanta has too much riding on on these wins, and this is one of their easier games on their schedule in the next few weeks. So uh, they're really going to need to win this one if they want to stay right in the top of that Eastern race. Uh, so I, I think that will be enough cause for, uh, for intensity for them. So since I locked my pick in, I can see everyone else's pick. There have been 11 picks made, including me. Six for Atlanta and five for Seattle. We have Seattle. We have Seattle winning from anywhere from two to five, and we have Atlanta winning from anywhere from one to thirteen. Well, this is giving everyone a super advantage. You know that the picks out there now. Uh, sorry, I haven't locked mine. Actually, I haven't even made my picks other than today's game. Uh, yeah, well, I think Seattle may over-index. Uh, oh, look, we have uh, Aaron Castro in the chat. Uh, yeah, Atlanta still sort of get a full attack. But I think with Carl say, you know, they seem to be really, you know, taking steps forward in that department. So we'll see if, if uh, you know, especially as it gets more, assuming he plays fly half still, which I, I think he will. But uh, we'll see if a few more reps there, you know, develop some more uh, consistently fluid attack for Atlanta. Um, but yeah, I, I like I'm, I'm sticking for for now with uh, Atlanta by three. See if he makes it. 
Yeah. Let's see if cash. So I guess that does it for four. I guess the second half hasn't quite started yet. Uh, so we have a call answer. So uh, Josh, give me your, uh, give me your playoff predictions. We're halfway through the season. Uh, all right. Aaron says Atlanta by 10. Okay. So in the middle of our two picks, um, Aaron, give us the rest of your picks while you're over there. <laughs> so it's I always I keep getting confused. It's top two, right? It's not top three. Top two, yeah. So it's the big guy you on, your side. on my side. I don't know. So yeah, who's he going against? I don't know. Uh, yeah, Lawrence says Lawrence says Seattle could take it. Scary Larry, uh, the uh, the Super Blue Global Picks leader, has joined us. Uh, Welcome, Larry. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, maybe he's one of the 11 picks, too. Uh, what, what does the model say, Larry? What's uh, What do we have in, in the uh, scary Larry model for this game? So you, you asked me to pick a uh, halfway pick. In, um, so LA's definitely – LA's in. I think they're too far ahead. Um, they're too good of a team. Depends, like, maybe if, like, everybody gets injured, they're out. But they're definitely in. <laughs> um, honestly, for the other pick, it's going to come down. I think it's going to come down to that second um, Austin Utah matchup. It'll come down to whoever wins that one. Right now, Austin's ahead, and that's Austin's next contest after this one. I got a ten Memorial Day weekend uh, showdown for that Western number two spot. I'm actually going to try to go. Who, give me your your take now. Who, who gets it? High-powered offense against defense. Utah already won in Austin, so I think they won. But I mean, Austin had a kick to win it at the death that fell, you know, five meters short. And that was before the Ruben DeHaas era. Yeah, but you're also you're also at altitude, so I mean that kick could hit this time, but that the condition is going to play a big factor there. Yeah, true. All right, so you're taking Utah then. And I will actually be at that game, whether as a fan or as representing you for the We'll see. Haven't gotten a response yet. All right. Well, I think that'll about do us for tonight. We'll talk. To, we'll talk to the man in charge. See how we put this podcast out. So yeah, thank Bill. Back, you, back, back thank to back to playoff. Yeah. Thank you to everyone. So we'll see. We'll be back Wednesday next week, hopefully. Night all. Thanks for listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby podcast. Connect with your hosts via Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Earful of Dirt. Visit our website at earfulofdirt.com or email us your thoughts and questions to earfulofdirt at gmail.com.